Hey there everyone, it is Pastor Hilmer. I'm excited uh, this week to jump in on this series called The Good Neighborhood. Now, last week when Pastor Bill introduced the series, he mentioned that we're going to be focusing on the Ten Commandments. And he also mentioned that often when people think about the Ten Commandments, that they tend to view them uh, negatively. Right? They're often viewed as something that's uh, restrictive. They're rules, they're regulations that prohibit us from doing all of these things. Uh, but what we want to do in this series is to kind of turn that around so that we understand the commandments positively. Because the reason that God gave the commandments was so that the people could thrive and so that they could lead the best life possible. And as the church, uh, as the gospel community, we want to give people a, a picture of what that life looks like. Now, when you're thinking about buying a home, uh, typically the neighborhood is a, is a pretty big factor. So, for example, if you're uh, looking for a place online, uh, maybe you, you maybe you find a home that you like and you decide to book an open house. And when you're when you're driving to check out that home, especially as you get close to the home, you begin to to look around at your surroundings, and you're looking for things that you value. You're looking for things that are important to you. So, if you have a family, you might be uh, looking to see if there's a park in the neighborhood. You might be uh, looking to see if there's a school nearby. Maybe you're someone who's looking to see if there's a, a church in the area, or you're wondering if it's on a bus route. Maybe you're looking at the neighbor's homes to kind of see how they take care of their property. We all have these things that are important to us. We have uh, what we might call these, these selling points. And those things factor into whether or not we choose to purchase a home in a particular neighborhood. Now, if you think about the church as the gospel community, we want to be a picture of a good neighborhood. And God wants our community to be an, an attractive place, a place where people want to make a home. And so if you think about the Ten Commandments, we could almost think of them as the, the Ten Selling Points of the gospel community. And what we want to do every week is just look at one of these commandments and to explain what it is uh, about that commandment that makes the gospel community attractive. And what I want to do this week is to look at the first commandment, and I want us to see how this first commandment encourages us to show the beauty of unity. So allow me to pray, and then I'd like to turn to John 17. Father, we do thank you uh, for the gift of being able to worship you, even uh, through this medium, through this use of technology. We thank you that we can gather in spirit and truth, that we can be encouraged, and that we can be reminded of your grace and your love to us in Jesus Christ. Uh, help us to be reminded that you want us to enjoy the best possible life, a life where we can thrive and flourish and do so in a way that honors you. And so teach us what that looks like through your word, by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, again, if you have your Bibles uh, with you, you can turn to John uh, chapter 17. This is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. It's a, a prayer that Jesus offers shortly before he dies. And in the section that I want to look at tonight, Jesus is praying for his uh, future disciples. He's not praying for the disciples that followed him, but for those who would believe in him through their ministry. And at the heart of his prayer is their desire or sorry, his desire that they might experience unity. Let me read with you beginning at verse 20. 
Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Notice that, that Jesus is saying that our unity will give credibility to the gospel message. Jesus continues, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, what Jesus is introducing here is not something new. God has always desired that his people would experience unity. And the truth is that it doesn't matter which community you look at. Anywhere in the world, you'll see that communities are typically united by something. They all have something that kind of binds them together. Sometimes the thing that binds a particular community together is its ethnicity. For example, the, the street on which our family lives has a number of elderly people. And they all, uh, or almost all of them, I should say, are, are Polish. And the reason why is because years ago, uh, their families chose to buy in that particular neighborhood because it was an area where they had a lot of Polish families, a lot of people who had a common background and a common language. Now, if you drive to other areas of the city, uh, you might notice that they're bound together by wealth. You know, you might drive into a certain community and, and you look and you see massive houses and really nice cars in the driveway. And it's clear that the one thing that this community has in common is that all the people there seem to have a lot of money. On the other hand, you can also drive into other communities and you can see that one of the things that, that binds them together is that there's a lack of wealth. Um... You know, you look at the neighborhood as you drive through and it becomes clear that one of the things that binds that particular community together is that they struggle with poverty. Regardless of what it is, each community has something that binds it together. And the question I want you to think about is, what is it that binds the, the gospel community together? Well, if you look at the first commandment, it becomes clear that it should be our love for God. In Exodus 20, verse 2 and 3, God says, I'm the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not have any other gods before me. God says here, I, I, I love you. He says to the Israelites, I've, I've chosen you. I've called you to be part of this community. And God says, I, I, I've redeemed you. I've, I've rescued you. And, and I've brought you out from slavery in Egypt, and I'm taking you to a promised land. And so the thing that should define this community is their love for God. What made the Israelites special was not who they were, but who God was and what God had done. In Exodus 19, as God is uh, leading up uh, to the Ten Commandments, he explains to the Israelites, that he wants them to be a kingdom of priests. He wants them to be a holy nation. And, and God's saying, I want you to live in such a way, really, that, that you're a light to the nations. I want the nations around to notice the way you live. And the thing that God wanted them to notice was the love that the Israelites had for God. 
God wanted the Israelite nation to be noticed, not because of who they were, but because of who they worship. And I think that principle remains true today. For example, in 1 uh, Peter 2, verse 9, uh, Peter is speaking to the church. He's speaking to uh, the gospel community, the new Israel. And, and he's explaining that he wants them to live in such a way that, that, that people notice something about the way they live. Here's what he says. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And you'll notice echoes of Exodus 19 in that passage. Peter is saying to the church, listen, I want people to notice you, not because of who you are, but because of who you worship, because of who you love. You see, the thing that should define us as a community is not our ethnicity. The thing that should define us is not our, you know, uh, common tradition or the fact that we come from a particular denomination. The thing that should define us is not even things like our, our building, the place where we worship. The thing that should define us is our love for God and our love for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everything else should flow from there. That's why this is commandment number one. Because as Christians, it, it, it's not about who we are. It's about who God is and about what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. And so from a New Testament perspective, when we read the first commandment, we see that we are the ones who were slaves, that we were slaves to sin, and that God said, I love you, and, and I've chosen you, and I've sent my son Jesus Christ to redeem you. And we see that Jesus has paid, he's purchased our freedom by his blood, and that Jesus is now leading us to a promised land. And when you understand the commandment that way, then you see that our value, our identity is not in who we are, but it is bound together in who we ultimately are in Jesus Christ. Now, we live in a world where there is tremendous division. Uh, there's political division. We've seen so much of that over the last couple of months. But there's also um, social and economic division. There is disparity between the rich and the poor. Uh, there is, there's ethnic uh, division and racial uh, division. There, 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 there is this tension that exists between black and people of color and white. There's so much division in the world today. And the thing that should stand out about the gospel community, that thing that should make us beautiful, is our unity. Because it's the one place where you should be able to come, regardless of your background, or re regardless of your wealth or lack of wealth. It should be the one place that you can come, uh, re regardless of your ethnicity, and you should be able to make a home. It's the one place where you should be able to find peace. Because the thing about the church is that the only one who truly is special is Jesus Christ. Paul, as he writes to the Colossian church, he says in Colossians 3 verse 11, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. And when we as the church live out that unity, and when we experience the truth of, of what it means to be bound together in Christ, when what drives us is our love for God, 
and our, and our passion for our Lord Jesus Christ, then we will begin to give people a, a little glimpse of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So let me leave you with two questions for this week. Here's the first. What things tend to define our unity as Christians? Are they healthy or unhealthy? And second, as you think of some of the division evident in the world today, whether that's political or, or social or otherwise, how might the gospel provide hope, healing, and unity? Have a wonderful week.